Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. On today's episode of The Pickup, we start off with the NFL free agency frenzy. We go over what the Russell Wilson trade means for the AFC West. Are the Chargers and Jay Herbo the best team in that division now? Where does that leave Kansas City? We also talk about the AFC North, some of the big moves there, Mitch Time and Mitchburg, and then we go over to baseball. Baseball is back. We talk about some big free agency signings there. We talk about who we like this year and also some of the rule changes before wrapping it up with some March Madness and then some NBA talk great episode we will be back every thursday and monday now so stay tuned for those and without further ado let's get back into the episode here we go welcome back to the pickup it is wednesday march 16th just after 8 p.m when we are recording this and i'm joined by no other than drew hartman how are we doing down there in columbia south carolina drew honestly it's been good a nice little break uh recoup recover um get back to to mindset being in the right place now we can get back to the podcast i'm excited yeah, what's the weather like there uh, down in South Carolina right now? Because we're finally breaking the 50s here in Boone, which has been amazing. I've gotten to wear shorts again, trying to get the pastiness out of the legs, if you know what I mean. No, no, I do. Uh, I just visit <laughs> the beach in, in Florida, so I get that. Um, you should have come in. Um, no, it, it was it rained today, but it's been about that 60, 75. We've hit an 80s a couple of times, but pretty consistent. I mean, it's starting to be nice. It's starting to be spring again, starting to get close to summer. You can mm-hmm. kind of feel it. Are there any green beers in your future for tomorrow? Oh, man. I doubt it. I doubt it. So we've never, I got, I got, I've I got never been old enough to be able to get green beers. So I was like, oh, we might just try it and see what it tastes like. I have no idea what type of green, beer it would be, but. Green beer just equates green <laughs> other things that I don't want to have to deal with. that's funny all right so starting it off now um starting off with an initial rant here i want to talk about the city of brooklyn Kyrie irving put up a 60 point game (laughs) in his last appearance and we saw all of Kyrie irving's greatness that has been on display for a while yes mentally he's a bit out there sometimes but he is one of the best finishers ever in the NBA, probably the best one under 6-1. And just when he gets to the rim, he's ridiculous. When he gets hot, he goes crazy. And he puts up 60 points. The NBA is robbing us of being able to watch prime Kyrie Irving and KD and Andre Drummond, who's had this resurgence. Because the most hypocritical part is away teams can go to Brooklyn and their unvaccinated players can play, but Kyrie can't because he's a part of the private sector. But Kyrie also finally made the point where – I can go and buy a ticket, sit at the bench, no mask, and I can be there, but I can't go out there and play. It makes no sense to me. It's just a load of BS. And the city of Brooklyn or New York or whichever one of those people are in charge that need to change it, especially by the time the playoffs come around. Honestly, I couldn't care less. I mean, he he is a great basketball player for sure, and it's cool to see him go off. But on on a mental level, him and Kanye are talking through a telescope (laughs) right now. And that's, I mean, I just don't know what's going on mentally there. But I mean, physically, he's got all the attributes you want of someone that's under six foot one. I mean, finishes his ball handling's right there with Allen. Finishing's one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he, he deserves to go down as one of the best finishers and ball handlers that's played. But 
at the same time he's killing himself along with everybody else around him. And it just shows to me he's not not quite a team player yet. Um, and, and I mean, I say yet, but I was just saying yet, like he has more time to like, develop, and he's not like thirty yeah. years old, thirty one. <laughs> I say I say yet, as in, I mean, we could see some things that may help him, but he and he has never has been that team guy that's like, I'll do anything to win and help these guys. I mean, just kind of selfish. Yeah, all of his teammates still seem to love him though, wherever he goes, which is crazy. Like after the Boston games. Tatum and Brown and Smart were all like instantly just like dapping him up afterwards, talking to him. The guys in Brooklyn seem to love him. The guys he played with in Cleveland still seem to love him, which just I don't really think it makes sense. Like you said, he's been more of a selfish player than anything, but at least he's not James Harden. So that that he he said frick that dude. I'm <laughs> on, on, on to the next one. All right. So what do you want to teach us a little bit about today, Drew? So, again, we're dealing – and I don't want to say dealing with, but, again, we're seeing kind of this March Madness and the women's and men's have been fighting for a while to kind of have that equal stuff. I, and here's my pitch to the NCAA and, and anybody that wants to listen. And I'm not saying you have to move women or you have to move men, but this is just an idea here. Let's go WMM, Women's May Madness. You start the season a month and a half later. They get more TV prime time after the March Madness ends in April. And then you can play in May. Your, your madness is in May. You can reuse facilities for the same price. You get the same facilities the men have. You just, maybe it takes some of that, you know, unequal stuff that we're seeing out of the picture a little bit. And it may, it may help kind of cure some things up, you know, bring everybody back to a little bit of peace and bring some harmony into the, the basketball because, I would watch women's basketball in Columbia if it was here. I really would. If I, I mean, I don't mean to say nothing else was going on, but like I would go watch our team play Kansas in the, the round of 64 if they were in Columbia. I would in May. I think that's a good, fun thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you guys are raw down there in South Carolina in basketball like every year, like we've seen. Yeah, and, and to be continued because Don Staley's a beast, just saying. Um <laughs> But, no, I mean, it's just one of those things that, like, we continue to see it. Um, and I've said it again and again, the NCAA is corrupt and has been corrupt and will, will be for a while. And people have been getting on them and they want to say that they're not and that they're doing something to change it. And then we just see consistency in the same old ways. And it's just interesting to see. I think that's one of the one of the things that we need to take a look at and they need to take a look at to see if there is a way to fix this or if the women just need to break off and find something like a May Madness or another thing they can try to do. Yeah, I like that idea a lot of moving them to May so they can be on TV more because I think everyone knows for the most part, nine out of ten people, if they're both on TV at the same time, are going to watch the men's one, and it's just not quite fair. Um, So now transitioning over into football, NFL free agency. As Drew said, he's had free agent frenzy on his TV for the last who knows how long, and it's been absolutely insane coming out hot and heavy and the division maybe making the most noise so far has been the AFC West. Granted, this was a trade, but uh, Russell Wilson to Denver, Cleo Mack to the Chargers, J.C. Jackson to the Chargers, Randy Gregory to Denver, a bunch of big-time moves going to this AFC West. So now, Drew, with free agency still here, obviously, and some more trades possibly happening, what do you think of the AFC West now with Jay Herbo and the Chargers and all of them? You still have the Chiefs, obviously. You have Russ on the Broncos with that defense. And then you have poor Derek Carr sitting there in 
Vegas, who just got his team to the playoffs, is going to be easily the worst team in the division now. Yeah, I mean, there's not much that the Raiders can do at this point to make that team that much better. They, they got Chris Jones today, which was good. I mean, they needed to do that. But I think a glaring thing that we see in Chris Jones that doesn't get talked about a bunch is there are some missed tackles there. You know, and, and against those three offensive teams, you can't miss tackles against Russ. He'll break out and throw the ball 60 yards to Derry Dewey. You can't, you can't miss tackles against Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards. You can't miss tackles against those kind of talent. But honestly, I'm a little disappointed in the Chiefs' free agency. There just hasn't been much noise. They've been losing yeah. some guys. They haven't brought in a ton of prospects like help. Um, Miko Hardman has not quite turned into the number two that they've needed. Uh, if they could go land – a Juju or a Jarvis. That's that what I was going to say. They're going to get TikTok boy probably. Yeah, that would be a big land for them. <clears throat> Raiders have done pretty well with what they can get. I mean, you're not going to beat any of those other three teams on a consistent basis with just acquiring Chris Jones. But you can still be competitive out of the division. Uh, the Broncos are getting Russ and Randy. I mean, that's huge. Uh, your team, I think that's the biggest improvement in all of the free agency personally was just those two. Um, mm. After losing Von Miller, we saw what that defense can do without him, and it's not much. And we saw what they can do with Russ or with uh, Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, and it's just not much. Yeah. Uh, so getting those two improvements is, was huge for them. Uh, and then the Chargers. And, and I've had a conversation with somebody that said the Chiefs' plan is to just score more points than you, right? That's pretty obvious. That's a way to win football. But to a point, it's, it's just – who cares about defense? Put up 35. If you don't score 35, who cares if we hold you to 34? Where the Chargers, I think this free agency, we're seeing them try to go the opposite way. We want to hold you from scoring 35 so that we can by getting those big-time guys to help them on that defensive side. J.C. Jackson is going to help that secondary so much. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely – I think there may be a little bit more of a battle now uh, for the Chiefs in the first place. Um mm-hmm. I definitely think the Raiders, and I still think there's a chance that the Broncos could fumble it, honestly. There always is. It's just like the Jags. They're going to find a way to fumble it, too. So let's be realistic. They spend <laughs> $260 million to go probably three wins next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and that's the unfortunate part is the Broncos could still be bad, but I definitely don't see them finishing four. Yeah, I love this Los Angeles Chargers team now. You have Justin Herbert at quarterback, Austin Eckler. You still have Keenan Allen on one side, Mike Williams on the other, just a very dynamic overall team. And as you mentioned, adding on the defense now too, which is huge because now you can't double team Bosa on one side because you have Cleo Mack, who's still an absolute animal, who you basically traded for a bag of balls. I mean, what a fifth and sixth round pick, like nothing to get Cleo Mack now coming off the other side. And J.C. Jackson, who, let alone in divisional play, being able to guard Tyreek Hill and getting to go against Jerry Judy and Cortland over in uh, Denver, he's going to just help you throughout the whole entire season against all of these teams. So my next question, I guess, is what do you think? Because sadly, I think Vegas is going to be four. I like Derek Carr, what he had to do this year. Because, I mean, a lot of adversity, new head coach, all types of new offensive Derek. teams, players, rugs. We all know the deal. But I like Derek the Chargers a lot. Dude. I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers one, Chiefs two, Denver three is what I'm going with just because I think Justin Herbert was probably my favorite quarterback to watch last year. His There was just such a beautiful ball. He's also my fantasy quarterback, so I watched a lot of him. So I just really fell in love with watching the way he played in the Chargers. And we saw Kansas City get stifled a few times last year and 
They play this electric Chargers team now. I think they can do it to them. And I just think Denver is going to be good, but they're just not at the level of Kansas City or L.A., in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, the hard part is Patrick Mahomes is a cyborg. That dude is is programmed to beat people at the game of football, and he's very, very good at doing that. Uh, and I, I agree, Justin Herbert is very good also, but I also think there's a lot of things that Patrick Mahomes has seen in only five years that a lot of guys and maybe even Herbert won't see for seven, eight years. So there's a lot of progression to still be made. There's a lot of talent to still be figured out. Um, to me, the, the Chargers still kind of have that throw the ball up and run under it, the offense, and that can win you ball games. That can also lose you ball games. You just got to be careful with that. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I think Derek Carr is a really tough dude. If they go draft really well, they could they could hit like the 2012 Seahawks. That draft got them Russ, Earl, and some other ones that really did hit. I mean, and that's kind of what we're looking at right now is the the possibility of just a complete flip, a slight flip, just the same stuff. It'll be interesting to see. That's a rough division. I think it, based on talent alone, that's probably the most competitive division within the division in football. Yeah, I would definitely say it's the most competitive division. But before we get to the second most competitive division after that, what is more likely for the last week of the season? Three teams in the ASC West get in the playoffs, as in the Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs, or Derek Carr in Las Vegas beats the Broncos and knocks them out of the playoffs, or one of the other teams the last week, as he did with the Chargers this past year, because that's kind of what he does. You said that's what's more likely? Yeah, what's more likely, three teams or Derek Carr screwing one of the teams the last game of the season? I think Derek Carr. <laughs> I think Derek Carr, because, again, I I like him a lot. I think he's a really, really tough dude, got a lot of grit to him, big-time fighter, does what he can to put the ball in the end zone. I mean, hard guy to bring down, fights for every inch that he can get. I mean, that's kind of the quarterback that a lot of guys and a lot of teams would want. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give anything away for later on, but I, if I'm a Colt fan – I don't hate a possible big package for Derek Carr. To come I don't up. either. But, I mean, I, I, if he can get out of the division, the division would be happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because you take the ability to completely screw them out of it anyway. Which I, The Chargers, again, they're not completely out of it. You know, yeah. I mean, Hunter Renfro showed up. They still have Waller. Derek Carr is still there. They still have both running backs healthy and available there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to be said for this. One of the best team. pass rushers in the NFL too, Mason Crosby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and they just added another one and um, shoot. Oh man. Who they just, I, we were just talking about it. Oh, Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones. Yes. Yes. That's another good one. I mean, the missed tackles. Yeah. But he's got a, a ton of sacks, a big pressure guy. So, I mean, that's, there's something to be said for that, you know, build a good defense, keep that offense rolling. You could, you could still finish above fourth place. I mean, you could still battle for that three and two spot. Yeah. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders do trade him maybe to an Indianapolis or something like that, because mm-hmm. who did McDaniels love in new England? He was a big part of the Jimmy G train over Tom Brady. Jimmy G is obviously going to be pretty much done in San Francisco I like Jimmy G, but what also scares me is he's getting shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and won't be able to throw for 16 weeks, which puts him going late into training camp and having to ramp up super fast. And we already know how hurt that he gets and trying to expedite his like process back kind of worries me. But I wouldn't be surprised either to see Oakland possibly trade for Jimmy G and send Derek Carr out so they don't have to pay him later on. But 
Now going to what we just mentioned, we think is now the second best division in the NFL. Funny how these things change. We were talking about the NFC West last year, and now with Kyler throwing temper tantrums and Russ gone and San Fran, no one knows if Trey Lance is any good, and the Rams are losing a bunch of guys probably. That division's dropped down to three or four in the league from number one easily. The AFC North, mine and Drew's division. Uh, both of our teams making moves to improve uh, positions that really have struggled last year. You go first with your boys over in Cincinnati. Well, I'm I'm gonna go Cincinnati last, and these are the I break it down in the in the four teams. This is kind of the, the takeaway notes that I've had from all all four. The Steelers are trying to rejuvenate, right? And by that, I mean, you, you cleared out a lot of space. You cleared out a lot of the, and I don't want to say disease, but there's been issues in the past with Juju. Brown's now a gone, gone. Big Ben's gone. You've got a whole new kind of try to build the front line. Trubisky comes in. There's a rejuvenation that you're trying to do there. And, and there's something to be said. I don't hate it. I think Trubisky can give I you something. I love it. I'll get to it later. I love it. I think there's something to be said that he can bring that Big Ben couldn't bring you, and especially in those later years. Yeah, Big Ben was a tough guy. I'll never argue that, but he was not a mobile guy. He was never going to move around, look like a pirate with a peg leg. That's just the truth. Um, Colin Coward called him the best ever backyard football quarterback that made it to the NFL. I was like, it's not too wrong. Not too wrong. <laughs> um, the, the Ravens are trying to move back to the number one seed. They're trying to hold that. And, and again, I love what we did last year, and we did finish first. But again, Lamar was out. So what I'm going to say about it is the Ravens are still trying to t- to stay atop, and he's that one and two seed. They're just trying to get into the playoffs. They're still trying to be up there, win those games, and they've been doing that. They look really good. Marcus Williams coming over. That was huge. Huge, huge, huge in their secondary. Um, and then the Browns are really starting to just crumble. Mm-hmm. The Browns are, are – yeah, they got Amari Cooper. There's a lot to be said for that too. But who's going to be your quarterback? You don't know. They don't know. I don't know. So that's the bigger problem is if you can't solidify the, the position that hands off and throws the football – distributes it there's not jc treader's gone there's going to be I mean, they're going to struggle next year more than i would stay away fantasy from nick chubb and kareem hunt next year just because you don't know what's going to happen um the Bengals, i, I really love the round of applause kids. for you guys yeah, finally I love, acknowledging the offensive line i love it um i love alex kappa i love ted carsa but we need to do a little bit more there's still time to do a little bit more i, I get that I want us to throw some money at Teron Armstead. I want us to go get another. And, and whether we land Armstead or not, unlikely, but at least you put money out there for him. You, you gave an attempt. You, you threw him an offer. Try to do that. Get another one more, two more offensive uh, linemen. Maybe a linebacker. Go solidify a spot here or there on the defense, a cornerback, and then just move on next season and look to play back into the Super Bowl. Because, you I mean, you, don't, you didn't lose much of that starting you lost Ojanobi, uh, but he didn't play in the playoffs anyway because he got hurt. You re-signed mm-hmm. B.J. Hill early, which was huge. You got your two offensive linemen, which was huge. But there's still a tackle position I'd like to be kind of filled. And then we can draft something else. But we still have Jackson Carmen in the second round last year. It was a pretty good pick and actually played fairly well for us during the, the year last year. So, I don't, I mean, I don't hate letting him play this year, but – it's got to be one of those things. One more solidified offensive lineman, maybe a linebacker, and I'm, I'm satisfied with the, the free agency this year in Cincinnati. Yeah, picking up where you left off, starting with the Bengals. Yeah, I like what they've done a lot this offseason because as we saw, Joe Burrow sacked more than any other quarterback. It was by like nine sacks, I think, in all the playoff history. He set a sack record in the Super Bowl, sacked nine times by the Titans, obviously, before. 
And as I mentioned, he was on the Andrew Luck track because your body can only take so much over and over and over. And we saw how talented Andrew Luck is just as we see how talented Joe Burrow is. By the way, can you uh, can you roll your R as well? Can you do the Joe? I can't do it, but the Joe Burr with the actual rolled R's. Can you do that? Joe Burr. Yeah, see, I can't do it. I sound like an idiot. Um, but besides the point, <laughs> is that the reason you do, or are there other things that cause you to sound like an idiot? Uh, this is one of the things. Um, okay, so okay. yeah, no, the Bengals have done great though. I mean, they signed another defensive tackle too. Uh, they have Trey Hendricks obviously coming back. Another good defensive end. And, yeah, just improving the offensive line is huge for them. Jamar Chase is only going to get better. T. Higgins is only going to get better. I still hate that you guys have Tyler Boyd. I love watching him play at Pitt because he's a dog down there in the slot too, and it's good as pretty much a second, third wide receiver as you're going to get. And then going to the Browns, yeah, the Browns are kind of a tire fire right now. Baker put out like a white flag essentially today on Twitter and Instagram thanking the city of Cleveland and everything like that. Let me let me say this about that though. I want to I want to discuss that, and I don't. There's a really bad connotation going around about that, right? That like he's given up, he's the white flag. But let me let me let me say this. I have a ton of respect for the way he's handling the situation. Also, though, yeah, it was premature. Yeah, you know, you can say what you. But there are probably 31 other quarterbacks, just about that would have gone the complete opposite way. This organization sucks. I, thank you, fans, but I, I'm glad to be out of there. This, that, and the other thing. And he's not doing that. And, and that's good for him. I'm really glad that he's not because it's going to help him in the future. There's going to be people that if he does play well, and say it is Houston, if he does play well, free agents next year may want to go play there with a good guy, a great – then he wasn't healthy last year, also the whole year. So that also has to be kind of remembered too. But yeah, that's and the fact too – wanted to say – yeah, the fact that Duke Johnson, too, also uh, tweeted a picture of a train on fire falling off of the tracks because two years ago <laughs> when he said he might want to get traded, Baker said you're either on or off until the train goes off the tracks. And then today, Duke Johnson <laughs> tweeted out a picture of a train going off the tracks. <laughs> but yeah. that was great. But, yeah, Cleveland's Cleveland's going to struggle here. Uh, Mari Cooper, good pickup. But at the same time, we saw they picked up OBJ. Everybody expected a bunch out of that, and it just didn't work because we saw Baker play his best when it was feeding Chubb and Hunt and then working the play action and going to wide receivers, like as the second look compared to trying to force feed it to OBJ. Cause that just didn't work. And I think Amari Cooper is kind of going to be somewhat the same thing. I think Amari Cooper will do better because he stays healthier typically and he's a bit bigger than OBJ, but I'm still not convinced. They let go of Austin Hooper today and poor David and Joku that dude's been wanting to leave Cleveland for like three years now. And they like franchise tag him every year. Yeah. <laughs> I've been asking for so long. They have so much desire for Ojinobi, and they just like, like, and and Hooper, honestly, to me, is a better tight end, like all around. Yeah, yeah. Joku had like that one sixty-five yard touchdown last year, and that was really all he did. (laughs) (laughs) um, He he can't block with the crap. Yeah. So Cleveland will be interesting. I think Cleveland's just going to start doing Cleveland things again, unless they trade for Deshaun Watson. Then it's a bit of a different story which we'll get into later. And then going to Baltimore, I don't I don't like Baltimore. I think Lamar is going to get hurt. I don't like that he's negotiating his own contract too because typically an agent is the bridge between the team and the player, so it doesn't make it personal. And now it almost can seem that it's personal and it's something Lamar has to think about on his own. I don't like that aspect. Uh, he was hurt for most of last year, and I think he's going to get hurt again. I'm not like 
hoping for injuries, but I mean, I could see a torn something coming in his future possibly. And you also got to ask yourself if you're the Ravens and Jim Harbaugh too, which I want to see what you think about this, Drew, is the Ravens have been pretty analytical over the years and kind of trying like step forward. They were really the only team that obviously took Lamar Jackson in the first round and took a chance on running first guy. Is it crazy to think with Ty Huntley, who didn't play that much worse, that the Ravens would rather ride with a cheap Ty Huntley then pay Lamar Jackson between 40 and $50 million for a player that could get hurt when, I mean, pretty much almost any given play with the amount of time that he runs. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never taking Tyler Huntley over a three year removed MVP. Never in my life. Now I get what you're coming from and I get that. But I was going to say you're not we, handcuffed to this guy who's a run first quarterback and he's getting into his late twenties, early thirties. Now I would rather be handcuffed to one of the greatest mobile quarterbacks. And he will be. I'm not saying right now today, but yeah, I got you. one of the best running quarterbacks that we've seen. And, and honestly is. He's the best mobile quarterback in the NFL right now because of what he can do with his feet and can throw the ball. That was the biggest question I had going into last season, and he kind of shut kind of what I had down. He did throw the ball last year. He looked pretty well while he was Yeah, healthy. when he played, I, like all like eight games. This, no, I get that. But all I'm saying is he did do those things while he was healthy. That's a huge thing. I, I'm never going to take him over Lamar Jackson. I think Tyler Huntley is a great quarterback, but Tyler Huntley needs to go find somewhere where he can be the starter. I don't think he is a starter, truly. Is he the best backup think, in the league? I, say that again? Is he the best backup in the league? Yeah, right behind Andy Dalton. Um, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, um, and then that's – but it's just hard to me because Lamar is, has been an MVP, has been up for it multiple times, can run the ball, can throw the ball, is kind of a quick, just general, he's got a good mind on him. And you can't base Huntley off of three, four games. I, I can't say I'd rather ride a cheaper Huntley for four games that I've seen versus uh, MVP and caliber of a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and Lamar. Can't do it. Yeah. My thing is, is I mean, obviously you ride Lamar as long as you can. I've just never been the biggest fan just because he terrifies me that like, Obviously, he's lasted longer than RG3, but RG3 wasn't a big guy, like, weight-wise. Lamar's not a big guy either, and all it takes is, like, one or two guys landing on him weird, and, I mean, he could have a serious injury. That's just – I've always just been terrified if Lamar was, like, a Steelers quarterback that he could just get hurt and end his season in any split second. But then, also, with the Ravens, still just going to be a pain in my ass, dude. Marcus Williams, when they signed him, I was like, they were so bad in secondary last year. So bad in the secondary. And then they go and sign an absolute stud safety to Marcus Williams and Zadarius Smith, who Green Bay let go, which was pretty annoying too, that he's now in the division. And once again, going to bring a physical defense out, just like most of these AFC North teams are. And wish they weren't there, but they are. So now going on to my Pittsburgh Steelers Last team, obviously, I am very – I'm elated, over the moon, ecstatic, excited for everything they've done. They've already signed an offensive lineman. They've already signed a center, and they're just – they're putting in moves. They signed James Daniels was the center. They signed Miles Jack as well. They signed Mitchell Trubitsky, obviously, Mason Cole, and I can't wait to watch Mitch Trubitsky in this offense. I'm not saying that he's going to be, like – what everyone thought he would necessarily be at the number two pick, which he's obviously way overdrafted only playing and starting in college for one year. But what he brings to this Pittsburgh team is something they haven't had in at least like six or seven years since Ben could 
like functionally put together like seven steps within like three or four seconds. Cause we all know you can only do like two steps every five seconds the past couple of years, but Mitchell Trubisky will make the offensive line look way better because he can move around. He can run, he can escape the pocket. Our receivers are already used to not having like the best deep ball thrower with Ben and playing good over the slot, short little out routes, dig routes and things of that nature, which Mitch can do. And he just creates a more dynamic offense overall because it makes the defense have to think, Oh, Mitch can run. Nobody's had to worry about a Steelers quarterback running in at least like eight or nine years. And like you said, not that Ben was ever athletically mobile, you're going to take off intentionally, but he could throw people off of him and scramble for a couple yards. But now that's just a whole nother aspect you have to worry about. And the defense is going to come back like normal. TJ Watt, best player uh, in the NFL on defense, absolute stud. And I'm just excited to watch this team. It'll be sad. It's kind of the first Sunday, not seeing Ben run out there at the quarterback spot, but I'm just glad they did something. And they only spent $14.2 million on him for two years. So they stayed super cheap, which is great because Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins is obviously not the answer. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. You still have the 17th pick overall. Yep. Kenny Pickett sitting there on the board. And he is – he just played in Pitt. Fun to watch. Good Big Ben type of player with a little bit more feet. Big, strong, gritty guy. Do you take the chance? Do you draft him? I loved him as a college player, but not as a pro player. I think his ceiling okay. is kind of, I think he's kind of like a Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones, but Mac Jones isn't a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, an Aaron Rodgers, a Russell Wilson. Mac Jones isn't going to take over a game and just absolutely dominate or ever be a quarterback worth in what is to now a 40 to $50 million range. Who knows where those numbers go in a few years from now, but Mac Jones know. will just never be that big of a guy. And that's how I feel about him too. Uh, Kenny Pickett and also, I think a lot of the combine stats that come out get very overinflated because that's all we have to talk about. But at the same time with his hand size, I'm not worried about him throwing, but he's had the most fumbles by any college quarterback since he's played in his years playing at Pitt, which that's something to worry about because you hear college players talk about in their first year in the NFL and NFL players in general, they don't just try and tackle you. They're like punching the ball out, trying to do that and tackle you at the same time. So that's something else where he worries me, but I'd rather the Steelers try and take a quarterback next year where it's a way stronger quarterback draft than this year is because Malik Willis, if he was taller, I mean, he could be a stud, but we see Kyler Murray gets hurt being short and running around. I don't know if I want Malik Willis. Man, I I, I think Malik Willis may be the, the better quarterback in this draft. Oh Maybe yeah. I, he's the most potential. I think Pickett can come in and have the best floor, but like starting off, but Willis is good definitely be the best overall potential wise. Nonetheless, uh, winner and loser of free agency through the first three days. Um, I kind of hinted that I had an odd loser. Does it start um, with a B and end with an O? No, 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 no. Oh, um, well, pre-show, I thought so. We were talking about Von Miller. Oh, no, no. Um, my winner for this is going to be the Bills. Okay. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, still there. Yeah, all right. And, and, and the reason is the last <laughs> – what, three hours ago, they tagged another tight end and Von Miller, which is huge because we saw the pass rush struggle again. They re-signed some guys. That was a great pickup. Huge, huge piece for them. Really, really like, really, really like him going to Buffalo. Um, I think they can compete. I think they can probably win a Super Bowl next year. Josh Allen is that good. Uh, Von Miller is that good. Brings another level. Uh, the loser I have, though, is actually the uh, Indianapolis Colts. 
the reason I think they're a loser is because Carson Wentz with nobody else on the board, really, I would have waited. I would have waited. And and the reason I say that is because being back there with Reich, I would I would have liked to see him get another year, honestly, because they did he didn't have a ton of help. He had a really young Pittman first year together. Then you have to, and that's the hard thing about Pittman Jr. is now he has in his what fourth year his third different quarterback throwing to him, which is it's rough, man. You I can't like keep Pittman doing that. too, and he's a great athlete. Ty finally gone then you can throw Pittman is the one you go draft a wide receiver you get another uh, offensive lineman you have the best running back in football one of the best running backs in football and you give Carson Wentz a chance to start another year Hmm. and maybe it's different if he doesn't work out you'll get a decent pick you go draft a quarterback I just would have waited it's too it was too early on day two in the offseason to trade Carson Wentz in my mind but, I mean, and he's just a placeholder in Washington anyway for until if they if they don't play well and they get a, a top 10, top 12 pick, they're going to draft a quarterback, and then Carson Lentz will be out of a job for the rest of his career. So I love that because I have the commies, I mean, commanders, as one of my winners for trading for Carson Wentz for, what, fifth and sixth round, a couple of those picks because – they have been just scraping scum off the bottom of a bucket the past couple of years with quarterbacks trying to get anybody and everybody. I mean, Alex Smith, whose leg was almost amputated, bringing him in. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's almost as old as our parents, it feels like. Not quite, but getting there. They brought him in. Taylor Heineke, he's obviously not a franchise guy. Fun, frisky guy, but not a franchise guy. But Carson Wentz is the first guy who has franchise quarterback talent that they have brought in in a while. And I'm just excited to see Jacksonville rival that with them signing Christian Kirk for $84 million and overspending for everybody. Um, Just kidding. But that's where I'm going to start my losers. Actually, Jacksonville, I'll keep this one quick. Uh, They lose a football games, lose a free agency. They suck at everything essentially, but another big loser. Like I said, I have Washington as a winner. I have Dallas as a loser. Losing Randy Gregory was huge. Dak Prescott has a sub 500 record in games that Amari Cooper doesn't play. CD Lamb, I don't think is ready to be a pure number one. And they just lost Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson's gone too. And we've seen Ezekiel Elliott look pretty washed and Tony Pollard be the better running back out of the two. Dallas, I hope you enjoyed your what five loss season. Cause you're going to go right back down to nine and eight eight and nine, right where you guys have always been because Dak's not that special to be able to run with CeeDee Lamb and overpaying Michael Gallup, who's coming off of a torn knee injury and nobody knows if anybody comes back from that and a weakened defense. I think Dallas really screwed up this free agency. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely definitely hurts. Man, it's kind of hard. It's just hard to put into words because they went from – number one in that division, they're going to fight for second or third, I think. I think there's going to be a takeover there. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, um, before we move on to finally the baseball being back. Is it's there happening? anything else? It's happening? Is there, is there anything else, Deshaun-related, free agent-related, that you would like to throw out there? Um, one, because I mean, considering we both grew up in the Charlotte area, if the Panthers don't sign him, get ready to get tormented for the next 15 years. So you better figure that out because otherwise it seems like he's going to go to New Orleans or Atlanta. And he personally reached out to the Falcons because he's from that area. So that's already not a good sign. 
So with Deshaun Watson, I'm just interested to see where he goes. And yes, his criminal suits may have been dropped, but not all the civil suits. So there's still likely to be a suspension. So that's another thing we have to keep an eye on. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, it's tough to say if I had to give like one prediction for where he wants to go. I mean, it's kind of what's hot right now, but I mean, if he wants to go to the Falcons and he has a no trade clause and Houston's willing to take Matt Ryan's massive contract, which Atlanta's wanting to get off of anyway for the past year, I could definitely see him going to Atlanta, which would be interesting. But same time, if you're Deshaun, do you want to go there with Calvin Ridley who wagered $1,500 to lose $20 million from his contract? Eh, I don't know. No, I don't. But Jarvis is visiting today. I think the Panthers could work, dude. Like, I don't really care about the McCaffrey aspect because they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Christian McCaffrey in his prime at this point. McCaffrey's got two more years of being really good if he stays healthy, which he's already showing he can't. And I don't know if there's a reason to hold on to him. If you can give two first-round picks and a McCaffrey and maybe one guy on the defensive side, not like Shaq Thompson or Brian Burns on that level or Jeremy Chin, but to some type of defensive player, I would go for it because McCaffrey was – that was last era for the Panthers. They've got to be looking to the future now because they're not going to make any playoff noise with McCaffrey still there, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it in Carolina, um, but to <clears throat> the MLB finally, it's here. Um, are we there it, yet? It, are we there yet, Dad? Is. Are we there yet? It, it's here. It is. It is here. And and again, I want to say and take this moment to say that Manfred is a piece of crap. Manfred. Um, um, but anyway. Baseball starts today, which at this point it will be Thursday, so first mm-hmm. spring training games. Um, free agency, huge. Yeah. Um, just today alone, we saw a four-time all-star and a gold glover fly off the board, go to mm-hmm. Colorado, which to me, it, it means that the Rockies are going to do everything they can to keep Trevor's story. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um and then you can kind of touch if you have anything, stop me. But two of the other big signings, the first base signings is kind of where I'm at, is Olsen and Rizzo. Um, to me, the Yankees kind of just were like, well, Freddie doesn't seem interested. Let's go settle for Rizzo, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, Rizzo's not going to be a Freddie Freeman caliber player ever in his career. Um, no, no and, I really wanted to see Rizzo go back to Chicago because I know that was rumored and he just seems right in Chicago and he didn't play yeah. all that great in New York. And I, I mean, even though Rizzo was in the division, like he was just, he was a good guy. Like, it, like I didn't hate Rizzo or anything, obviously. I mean, I liked him. He was I a fun player to watch. I, I hated him, but he was a Cubs. Yeah. So. See, I hated Javier Baez enough to cover probably the whole entire Cubs team. So I, I, I hated him enough to cover the world. He, nobody else had to hate him. I got it. Um, Rizzo got the two-year 32, so he's 16 a year, which is pretty good. Um, Eight-year 68. Eight-year 168 million for Freddie Freeman's replacement in Atlanta, yeah. Mr. Matt Olson, who already had two more years on the contract. So they just went ahead and locked him down. I mean, at 27, a smart move. Well, at 27 years old, it's a smart move. Now he's a trade piece if it doesn't work out. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean... It'll be interesting. I, and I've had conversations with some Braves fans kind of wondering what they and, – and it's heartbreaking for them, but they don't hate it either. Um, they just – got to figure out where he's going to hit in that lineup because, again, last year he had 39 bombs, 111 RBIs, but he didn't hit 300 like, like Freddie would. You yeah. know? And he, he, he's not going to hit 300, but if you put him in front of Acuna, he's going to see 
pitches he can hit better because nobody they're not going to want to try to throw to Acuna with bases with people on base. But if you put him after, he's going to see less pitches to hit because they know he can get them in. It'll just be interesting kind of to see where he goes. I honestly, and this is going to be a wild thing to say, I'd look at the two-hole for Matt Olson. I mean, uh, he makes contact with it. I mean, I believe yeah. that. I mean, you started early. You get somebody like um, – put somebody like Ozzy in the one, maybe mm-hmm. even uh, – you can't put Riley in the one. But if you put somebody up there in the one hole that can just get on base and then let him kind of see those better pitches, it, it, you might, might be better off. You know, who knows? Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I, I have a question mark next to the Padres for Freddie Freeman looking to get rid of Will Myers and Eric Cosmer. A lot of, a lot of money space to be open there for Freddie. Don't, yeah, don't hate on it too early. No, I think it's already pretty much certain, in my opinion, that Freddie Freeman goes to the Dodgers. He already has a house in L.A. We already know they've offered him a contract, and he can slide right into that first base role and be an immediate upgrade because they have a bunch of guys – that are sluggers and throwing in a Freddie Freeman, that's going to be able to hit for consistency in that three hole. That could be huge for them. And he's just a great character guy. We know he's not going to create any problems in the locker room. And that would just be the most Dodgers thing ever. Just go out and get another massive first baseman because they seem to have infinite money in LA. Don't quite understand (laughs) it, but they do. It just never runs out. And then looking at two, the New York Mets, that team is going to be interesting this year. Yeah. They yeah. just signed Max or they signed Max Scherzer. They signed Stalling Marte, which, I mean, I've watched a lot of Stalling Marte, obviously, when he was on the Pirates. <clears throat> and he's a nice plug and play guy in the outfield. But that rotation they have is absolutely filthy now. But some other free agents, I mean, just to kind of recap, because baseball's been kind of just MIA lately because there's only going to be a season. You can't forget about Texas getting Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon for the Rangers, which is huge. You have Kyle, Sch- you have Kyle <laughs> Schwarber going to fill. Oh, yeah. The Mets will still be second or third in the division and finish right around 500, like always. But you have Schwarber today. The Rangers, Rangers too. Yeah. You have Schwarber today uh, signing to Philadelphia also, which is obviously big. And then you had Kershaw a couple days ago resigning to LA, as I mentioned LA earlier. And with Chris Bryant going to Colorado. I just don't quite understand that. <clears throat> I know Chris Bryant's already won a World Series, but Colorado is not in play to be one of the best teams in the MLB or even sniff the playoffs, really. And if I was Chris Bryant, I would have yeah. tried to stay in San Francisco because I think San Francisco is just going to keep improving. They're going to keep getting better. But instead, I'm going to this Colorado team that already gave up on their last star with Nolan Arenado and shipped him out of town. And I don't know why Chris Bryant – went to Colorado. Do you have any possible spin zones in your head besides money-wise of why Chris Bryant would have gone to Colorado? Uh, Yeah, no, I don't. Um, Because (laughs) right, right after he signed, Jock Peterson went to San Francisco. Yeah. The only, the only interesting thing I may have is that that ballpark may tend to him a little bit more and him trying to get power numbers up. Yeah. Chris Bryant's, Chris Bryant's always been able to hit bombs and hit those some but he's never been a, a 28 plus kind of guy. He's never been a 30 a year kind of consistent, which that stadium can help him be that guy. And him I could see that if he only and, signed like a two or three year deal or four year deal to get yeah, his numbers eight. up and get traded, but he didn't, but maybe, Hey, maybe it runs in that a Chicago Cubs family. Cause Javier Baez did willingly choose to go to Detroit. So. Yeah. But let's not put <laughs> the same intelligence in Chris Bryant. 
<laughs> I would I would feel bad if we if we put that on Chris Bryant to be as as dumb as Javi Baez. But no, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting this year. I, we don't have too much to touch on with baseball just yet. But outside of that, I mean, it's interesting. There's been a lot of big, like big time trades. The Blue Jays have they made some major the Blue moves. Jays. Yeah. I'm 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 very I'm very excited about that. Which again, I have a question mark against the Blue Jays for Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. because then then you throw him at first base. You have an All Star Gold Glover. You have a, a a chance at a, a 300 hitter. If you, if you just told Vladdy to focus on hitting, he could probably hit you 45 bombs and 280 yeah. with with nobody with no problem. But that's kind of where I'm sitting. In the new rules, let's just click touch on those just because we have them written down. So we have the all-time DH. What do you think? I, I don't like it personally. I like watching I, the pitchers try and bat. I like watching yeah, the pitchers I mean, do it. And I know they like – some of them hate it. Some of them are terrified. But I know some of them love to go out there like Madison Bumgarner, Zach Granke. Oh, yeah, they like yeah. to go out there and try and hit the ball. And it just makes it a little bit more exciting. I would have rather been get rid of the DDH than all-time DH personally. But I'm not well, making the rules quite yet. Well, here's, here's, here's my, <laughs> my thing on it is it's going to change how people are recruited, scouted, and drafted now because pitchers that could hit and that were two A's in high school that got drafted out, they may go to AL teams now or a pick earlier because they don't have to hit anymore. Mm-hmm. Hunter, Hunter Green could hit right now, tomorrow. Michael Lorenzen, we both know because we watched him in our division. He's on yeah. my team. He hit multiple home runs. I mean, it's one of those things that those guys took pride in being able to hit the baseball. That's why they were so good at what they did. And you take that half of the game away from them. It's just different. It's interesting. It'll be kind of crazy to watch. Um, extra innings changes this year. No runner on second in the extra innings. I think that's, that should have gone. We didn't even need to have that. Like, that shouldn't even no. need to have been a rule. It should have gone without said that that should not have happened again. That was some of the dumbest crap I ever watched in my life. What is this? Little League softball? Come because on, Because literally they said they put him on second base to speed the game up because it puts a runner in scoring position. And you're acting I mean, like MLB players can't hit a ball to the right side of the infield, get the runner <laughs> to third base, and then hit a sack fly to score him in every single time like what the hell were you thinking that just made absolutely no sense to me ever and if anything i feel like it made games go even longer because every inning there's a runner on second base already and they're just scoring literally every single time and it's inflating era stats for teams it's inflating running stats and hitting stats and pitching stats for no reason and thank god they went back no yeah i i think that was the dumbest rule that went into place with the COVID stuff was the fact that they threw that on there. I just didn't see a need in, in, in doing that. It didn't make, it didn't make, make any sense, but for the last one and another rule that I didn't realize anybody over the age of 14 cared about uh, bigger bases. Yeah. I should have had a question mark next to that. Cause I'm confused. I have yeah, no what idea. The what the, the only thing doing? I can, the only thing I can think of, like in my head when I was really thinking, it was like one players are definitely more delicate now. Maybe they're scared, like the first baseman more of getting their ankles stepped on when people are running. And if not that for two, maybe it's to try and get people to steal bases more often. Cause you see how many bang, bang split seconds once like split seconds, like safes or outs there are. So it's a little bit bigger. Maybe teams will try to like steal more often, but I have zero confidence in either of those. Those are just literally the only two ideas I could come up with in my head of what that would mean. Cause I have no idea. I don't know, man. It, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, who cares? Uh, I'm going to touch on one, one thing before 
we moved to the March Madness. Um, it's not it's it's not Major League Baseball. It's college baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple week couple weekend. Pretty crazy to see. There's been a lot of flip flopping this year. Um, yeah, go ahead. Horns, Horns down. down. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of flip flopping this year actually with um, rankings. Like we don't see that as much in college baseball as uh, well. We see it more this year than we did last year. But I don't know if that's a test to teams being better this year all around everybody or just kind of people have been stepping down. I, I don't know, but it's been interesting to see. Uh, the flip-flop, um, Texas was one, now they're two, Tennessee jumped. There's been a lot of moving around. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see that whole big, you know, transition this year. But there's been a lot – I think pitching has made a step up this year. Uh, there's two guys in college baseball this year that throw triple digits, which is insane. Um, Mississippi State, the – champs have not looked like championship team yeah. yet this year. Uh, I don't know if you've paid attention at all, but they haven't looked like a championship team quite yet. Um, Tennessee leads uh, the country in five of the six major hitting categories. I like Tennessee a lot um, this year. They're they just, good. I mean, it's just disgusting. They don't have any fear to go up to the plate and swing the bat. Uh, right before we transition into March Madness, um, we have one play-in game that the total – was 175 points. That's pretty crazy for a play-in game. That is. Um, hey, yeah. go, going back to baseball real quick, I have two things to say about college baseball. One, that was the only really good thing about the MLB with their whole dispute is college baseball was the only baseball around. And they were on, like, main display of social media. And it was so fun to get to watch these, like, college kids all over social media and TV and ESPN because they were baseball for a little bit. And number two – Every single social media department for a college baseball team, I get it's cool to start off with, but how many more slow-mo home runs do I need to see with a bat flip and music playing in the background? I'm like, okay. I was like, oh, that's cool. Tennessee did it. Oh, that's cool. Texas did it. Oh, that's cool. North Carolina. Nope. Every single college baseball page I follow now, every single post is a slow-mo home run bat flip with high music tomorrow. I'm like, I get it. You guys know how to use Adobe Premiere Pro and Adobe After Effects, <laughs> but let's go to the next thing because when every single damn college in the country is doing it, like if it was just one school and it was just the phase for the one school, okay, that's cool. It's exclusive. No, but it's every single social media department. I'm like, good Lord. No, it's, it, I, I can see that it irritates you. Um, I agree. It's pretty funny. Like the first couple were good, but then it was like, all right. Okay. And then it's just like every time you go on Instagram, you're going to see at least like four or five slow-mo bat yeah. flips. Yeah. And now every college has a TikTok account. Yeah. So it's even worse then because you have a, a wide range of songs and half of them don't even make sense. Yeah. So I watched, no- the, bat, I watched the bat flip yesterday to Good For You by <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. Excuse me? <laughs> What? Oh my gosh. All right. So now transitioning over to March Madness and some college basketball. So starting off looking at these brackets here for March Madness, I mean, I will never take for granted March Madness ever again after we didn't even get to have one two years ago. So that really put it into perspective of like, oh, wow. Like you really miss it when it's not there and then you never take it for granted once it's back again. And, how many brackets have you made so far, Drew? I've been making quite a few brackets, been a part of groups, done a bunch of stuff. I've only got two. Your boy two. is chilling. Your boy is chilling right now. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. 
Tonight, okay. though, tonight I'll probably make six. Yeah, it's the last <laughs> chance. It's the last chance. <laughs> so kind of just taking an overlook, you've got Gonzaga as the overall number one seed. You've got Baylor, the returning champions. You've got Arizona with a first-year head coach coming from Gonzaga snagging a one seed. And you have Kansas right now as a one seed as well. And you have Duke, Villanova, Auburn, and Kentucky as two seeds. So, I mean, quite a loaded one seed, two seed. But I don't know what your opinion is on this, Drew. But I feel like this year, at least in my opinion, and some people I've talked to, typically there's a prohibited favorite or two. But this year it seems like there's not. There's a bunch of good teams, but there's no great teams unless you're a Gonzaga believer because I'm at the point where with Gonzaga, I'll believe it when I see it. I've seen Gonzaga been every year for the last three or four years be the overall number one seed. But when they play these physical ACC teams or physical and fast SEC teams, it's hard to stop. It's hard for them to win. Just like they played Duke earlier in the year in 175 pounds, seven foot one, Czech Holgram got absolutely bullied by Paulo Bancaro and the rest of this Duke team. Cause we'll talk about it here in a minute, but Duke may crumble under pressure, but they got some thick boys over there on Duke. They're not little yeah. over there. And Duke there's just this just isn't Duke a team unless and, unless you're on the Gonzaga bandwagon again this year, which like I said, I'm just at the point now, like the Dallas Cowboys, I'll believe it when I see it if they ever win a Super Bowl. Same with Gonzaga. I'm at the point, I'll believe it when I see it with a championship. You prove me wrong, you do, but I'm not falling for this trap again. What do you think? I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm bandwagoning. I have Gonzaga up there. I do like chat again. And I'm glad that you brought it up because I was going to say the only thing that worries me is the strength there. Not a real big kid for his size. Seven uh, one, like 180 pounds. That's just not big enough. Now the length is there and he can shoot the ball, which, which helps him a lot. Plus, I don't think Duke will make it far enough. I think Duke makes a round. I think Duke makes it out of 64 and then 32 they get chopped. I think Michigan State's got a much better basketball team. And plus, what a storybook ending to go out against Izzo that would be. You know, I mean, Coach K versus Izzo in his last year, and Izzo takes it. Cool. Um, I, I like them a lot, though. I do. I like uh, Texas Tech in that West bracket to kind of sneak up and possibly take a, an interesting turn against Gonzaga. Um, I, I actually do. I had it written down. The last ride for – Coach K will be cool to watch. Um, but another thing that I'm more interested in is my Cinderella pick is Indiana. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before, real quick before, I just want to say, I was at my friend's house in Raleigh before I went to Pittsburgh for spring break for that weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I was in a Duke household. His mom went to Duke uh, while that game happened. All Duke fans. Coach K, that selfish motherfucker puts all of the pressure in the world. Oh. oh, yeah, I feel deep about this. Put all the pressure oh. in the world on those Duke players, making it all about him instead of the team, and they lose, and they crumble under pressure, and it was beautiful. And then they're throwing a temper tantrum the next day because UNC did not shake hands before the game so they could start the ceremony earlier after the game, and they were mad that UNC's athletic director said no and didn't acknowledge Coach K's last year because they were the only school that did not acknowledge it was Coach K's like last year, last game in their stadium, everything like that in the Dean Dome. Why would UNC do them any favors? And you see the boys with Caleb and Armando and Manic getting hot from three. Just a great thing to watch. 
loved watching UNC beat them. That was just, I can't stand Coach K. It was amazing to watch him crumble. He got mad at the student section afterwards because they wouldn't shut up. And in Coach K fashion, just yelled at them to be quiet so he could apologize for how bad of a performance they had. And back to your Cinderella team, I just had to get that out because that was an amazing <laughs> night for me. I, I like Indiana. That's okay. my Cinderella team. Now, I know it's not a, a, a huge Cinderella at the 12 seed, but I do. I think they play some really suffocating defense. I think they can put the ball in the basket at times. I really like their head coach. Couldn't tell you his name. He's got a great, great <laughs> – he's got a great chin mustache. He's just just a good dude. Um, I don't ever see him get too hot or too cold. Um, he's always kind of up, always kind of analyzing. They do a really good job over there. Like, again, the defense is kind of suffocating. They keep the teams under 75 points a game, and they put up at least 75. So, I mean, they do a really good job. I think that can be one to look out for. Uh, Rutgers is another one that's kind of a really good just kind of all-around mm-hmm. basketball team. I do like them a lot too, but I'm, I'm locking in Indiana as a Cinderella this year. Okay, okay. So, one team, this isn't my main team, but one of them that I think is – I don't know if you really call them a Cinderella. They just won the ACC championship, Virginia Tech. They absolutely dog walk North Carolina. They beat Duke. They play Texas, which Texas is one of those teams. They always crumble under pressure no matter what sport it is typically. Yeah. And so I like Virginia Tech to upset Texas. And, I mean, if they're hot from three, I could see them beating Purdue before they lose to Kentucky, which we'll get to in the Sweet 16. But my real Cinderella team that I am hopping all over are the Catamounts of Vermont. Vermont plays Arkansas. Um, in the round of 64, 13 Vermont versus number four, Arkansas. Vermont is a three and D team. They're great at shooting threes. They're great at stopping threes. Arkansas has been as cold as it gets coming into this tournament right now. And they are one of the worst three point shooting teams in the entire country, especially when they start down and with the way Vermont can play, I think they could give Arkansas a hard time. And so then I have UConn beating New Mexico 5v12 in the game above them. So then it would become UConn versus Vermont. And I'm not all that hot on UConn. Yes, the Big East is good this year, but they beat all the bad teams in the Big East. They didn't beat your Villanovas and your higher-up teams in the Big East. So I like Vermont to upset UConn as well before then losing to Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. But – I like Vermont, the Catamounts. That's what I'm hitching my wagon to for uh, my Cinderella team this year. All right, all right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, like you said. Well, let's keep in mind. I don't think either sure. of us have watched a single Vermont basketball game all year, but no, no. I can look at I the de- stats and the storylines. Yeah. I like Vermont. I got a feeling. <laughs> uh, I do. I do like that though. Um, I, I would say. Kind of the same. It's the same thing with Indiana. Great, great team with putting the ball in the hoop. Great defensive team. And I think that's kind of what we see in March Madness, too. And, and you could attest because it's kind of like – it's just like in uh, pro basketball. If you get hot at that right time, it can take off from there. You could win March Madness in, in what is it, six games, seven games? Mm-hmm. And you could go you – could, you could have 16 losses throughout the season – but if you win the last seven, nobody cares. And you the, know, you just got to get hot. You got to get hot at the right time. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is you look in this conference tournament or in the NCAA tournament, right, it's not 
always a bunch of one and done freshmen. Typically it's the teams that have experience. I mean, for example, Duke, yes, they're typically a very big one and done team, but last time they won the tournament, they had Rodney hood when he was a sophomore, they had multiple seniors. They only had one freshman that started throughout the whole entire season. And that was Jabari Parker. And these teams that are seniors and grown up are typically the ones that win. That's why we haven't seen Kentucky and Calipari win one in a while because it's typically a bunch of one and dones, which I'll get to here in a bit, but I think that's changing this year. And then Kansas with Bill Self, typically a bunch of one and dones. Haven't seen them win in a while. UNC, last time they won, they had Marcus Page, who was a senior. They had Joel Berry, who was a sophomore. I mean, they had older guys all over the place. We saw Villanova a couple years ago win with older guys. It's not typically these one-and-done teams. And so kind of going forward now, going off of that, what is your, what is your kind of Elite Eight look like? You got a bunch of young teams in there, some older teams. What are you looking at? Let's let me let me read exactly what it looks like. Um, right. I'll read it. I'll read it in the one that matters, the one that I won't get punished for. My lead eight is Gonzaga, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Michigan State going far just because Izzo, like you said, Izzo's not a ton of a one and done kind of guy. That's an older yeah. team. Uh, Denzel Valentine. Last time they made a huge run, he was there. Um, uh, I have Baylor and Kentucky um, okay. out of the East. I like both those teams. The only reason I'm questionable on Baylor. Is because they don't have that they don't have that three headed monster that they did last year. Um, the South, I have Arizona and te- and Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's played really well all year, actually. Um, they've been sneaking around. They've been putting the ball. I mean, they've been seven losses doesn't sound great for a number three, but I really like them. Um, they're a spot above in the BPI rank. Uh, Arizona's a good basketball team. I actually mm-hmm. have the upset. I actually have the upset there. Tennessee over Arizona. Um, I like your thinking. And then, and then in my Midwest, I have Auburn and Kansas. And I actually took the upset in that one. Also, Auburn over Kansas because Auburn's been one of the fastest teams all year. They get the ball out. They look like that three-headed monster from Baylor last year. Ball comes down, dish it out, get rolling, get moving, get out of there. Um, plus, the um, Jabari Smith is a, an outstanding Dog. He's basketball so good. player. That's going to be the number one pick off the board, um, I think. And I just think it's going to be something something about that Auburn team gets me fired <laughs> up to watch them play, man. But I do like that Tennessee team, too. Um, I do have three SEC schools in it this year. Uh, the SEC kind of flipped the ACC on its head this they year. Did. On a, they did. Great point. Great point. Um, which is wild. We don't really see that often, especially in basketball. I mean, we know SEC is football and baseball, just the powerhouse in those two sports. But usually you look up at the final four and it's all four kind of ACC schools. So it's kind of nice to see this, but I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I do like, I do like my a lot. I do have a lot of high seeds. I do have a pretty decent amount of older teams. Jabari Smith may be the youngest player in my final eight other than Chet. Um, but I do like it. Uh, what, what are you looking like? So my elite eight, I've got Gonzaga and Duke. Uh, I think ah. Duke somewhat figures it out in the tournament here. So Gonzaga and Duke in the West. I've got UCLA and Kentucky in the East. Ooh, UCLA I was. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. UCLA was just in the Final Four last year. And the thing with Baylor is, for me, if you look, only seven teams in the past ten years after winning the championship have. Or I'm sorry, 
seven teams that have won the championship in the past 10 years haven't made it past this week 16. Only three have made it past the round of 32 and two past the round of Sweet 16. So the odds are not in favor of former champions. We saw Villanova lose in the round of 32. UNC lost in the round of 32. And so that's just something that typically kind of happens. And then in the South, I have Arizona and Tennessee. I absolutely love Tennessee this year. Tennessee, their three-point shooting, their defense. Yes, they don't have the greatest tournament resume, which is really the only thing you can kind of bring up, but I like this team a lot. And then I have Kansas and Wisconsin. And I, like Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin a lot. Wisconsin's hot. They've got the most improved player in the country in Jalen. And I mean, they play a very slow pace as well, which can really throw some of these faster moving teams off their game by just playing more patient basketball. And I like my lead. Like I said, UCLA is returning a bunch of starters from the final four. You have Kentucky, who I mentioned them earlier. Typically, they don't make it insanely far because they're all one and dones. Well, Calipari has two All-Americans and four starters that are upperclassmen, which typically you don't see. So I'll go ahead and start off my final four then from here. So I have Duke beating Gonzaga. They did it earlier in the year. I just think they're better physically. Uh, Chet Holgram got absolutely worked last time they played. Drew Timmy's been very cold in the regular season. It's not played great. So I need to see him kind of turn it around in the tournament. So I have Duke coming out of the West. I have Kentucky coming out of the East. Just think they're a better overall team. Tashidi's absolutely insane on Kentucky. Walking double-double. You have Ty Ty Washington Jr. as well. And then I have Tennessee beating Arizona. This Tennessee team is they're just hot. They're good. I like them a lot. Uh, Arizona, while they are a really good team, it's their coach's first time going down this way, coming from Gonzaga. So that's the kind of thing I'm skeptical about. And then I have Wisconsin beating Kansas as well. I just think that Big Ten physicality is going to mess with Kansas. And because you, I mean, if you look, you never have like a bunch of one seeds or only two seeds or only three seeds. Like there's always a nice mix. So I'm going two, two, three, three is what my seedings look like in the final four. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, I have Gonzaga and Kentucky uh, in my final four. I, I, again, I don't have Duke making it there. I just don't think Duke makes it this year. Uh, I mean, Paolo Ranchero is definitely a bigger body guy. Um, but to me, he's getting the earlier, like, stages of that Zion. Like, we're, we haven't seen Zion play basketball in a year and a half, two years. And I think that we're already seeing that bigger-bodied kid for Duke. They need to run through a smaller body. They did it with J.J. Redick. They did it with uh, Kyrie. That's kind of where their, their place is. They did it with Grayson Allen. That's their place. Running through the one and two guard, not through the four and five. And they're struggling right now because of that. Um, so I have Michigan State beating them and then Gonzaga taking down Michigan State. I have Kentucky uh, also moving on to the final four. I have Tennessee beating Arizona. And then I have Auburn beating Kansas. Um and then, like you said, I like the kind of mixture that I have of one, two, and then three, two. Um, the the top two, the, the east and west is just always pretty consistent, though, in the one, twos. They never really give us any true, like, four or five, like, competitors. This is the first time in UCLA that we've seen a four that could possibly go this distance. Mm-hmm. And I do like them. I do like the fact that they uh, could go that way and could be a four and could make it to the final. But – 
I just don't see it over Kentucky and Gonzaga. I just can't see UCLA going to Final Fours back-to-back years. No, I can't either. Um, but in my championship, I have Gonzaga and Auburn. Uh, and I actually have Auburn taking it 72-65. I don't think Chet and Timmy can keep up with the pace of Auburn. Uh, they're going to try to slow it down. And Gonzaga can play a quicker pace in that lower level. But once you get into the Jabari Smith and those quick three points off the turnovers, there's just you can't keep up with them. Yeah. So, I um, mean, yeah, I like that because I have Tennessee in my championship. I have Tennessee beating Wisconsin, and then I have Kentucky beating Duke. Just like I said, that Duke team, they crumbled under pressure in Coach K's last home game. They lost in the ACC championship. And I think by the time, and when you get to the, like the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight are one thing, but when you get to the Final Four, everybody gets to New Orleans at the final location of the tournament. I think they crumble, and Kentucky's just the older, more veteran team, just like UNC was. You had Manic, who transferred from Oklahoma, Baycott's in his third year, and I just think a more experienced Kentucky team is going <clears throat> to beat Duke. And then I have Kentucky winning 73-69 to 69 against Tennessee. I think it's okay. going to be a super tight game, probably within one to two points getting to the end. But just because of the way the free throw battle happens at the end, it's kind of why I have Kentucky up by that four-point margin. And plus, Calipari hasn't won a tournament since 2012. So I feel like he's also kind of due because he's a really good coach, has an experienced team. And, I mean, just waiting kind of for Kentucky to win. But this Tennessee team could definitely put up a fight, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won it at all. But, all right, Drew. So, you know, we do all of this, right? We Mm -hmm. sit here, we analyze. We try and find the better teams. You know, the higher or the lower seeds are typically better. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's March Madness. So if you had to pick a five to eight seed, five to nine seed that you think could pull it all off and just screw up everybody's bracket, uh, do you have any idea of who that would be? Uh, I'll give it to you this way. I think a 12 seed that could do it is going to be Indiana. I do. I think Indiana can play some serious ball. I think the Mexico State's also one to look out for. I think that's a that's a serious baller team. Let's see, a little bit of a deeper seed, Michigan. I think at the eleven seed, I think. Uh, yeah, I have Michigan definitely winning round one. Could make an interesting push. Um, I like Ohio State, but I would not be completely blown away if Loyola should. Oh, I, I have Loyola in all the brackets. You don't mess with Loyola when Sister Jean comes around in the tournament. I, I, dude, I, I had to take I had to take Ohio State. I do, I like the way they've been playing. <laughs> I like the way they've been playing. And and I'll say this one too. The last one that I don't I don't hate it either is uh, Iowa State over LSU. Yeah, and I have eleven seed. I don't hate. And then if I had to lock, I lock one in. Providence is a good basketball school. I like Providence a lot. They're a great team. But I really that South Dakota State. Jackrabbits. Right, just lock it in. 13th seed, Jackrabbits over uh, Providence. I would do that one. That's one that I think would bust a lot of brackets for people that are heavy on Providence. Um, But I do. I mean, I like those kind of – that 11 to 12 seed is kind of where I'd live Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of competitive 12 seeds this year. Um, Like, again, with uh, Michigan 11, uh, Rutgers and Notre Dame is an 11, Virginia Tech's an 11. Uh, Indiana 11 seeds are strong this year. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, there's some some potential there for games to get away from people early with those 11 seeds. 
I like I like Miami a lot to do some damage. Possibly they're running. Don't a, hate it. They're running a four guard set. They're quick. They're not like the 10, 15 years ago, Miami, where they had these like insane, big physical athletes. They're quick. They're fast. I think they beat USC. I have them beating USC because USC is too tall and slow. I think for Miami, um, I don't have them beating Auburn and some, but I do in others just because, I mean, we saw Auburn really cool off. I like Auburn a lot still, but we definitely saw them cool off and take a step back in the latter half of the season. And Miami's a team that they started off cold, but if you look at their record from after their first 10 games, it's been like top 15 in the country, but they just started off so cold that like ACC conference wise, they started off with some really tough matchups and other things of that nature. But Miami's been a really hot team and definitely a team I could see uh, messing some stuff up. So before we wrap this up, though, did you by chance watch the players championship in Florida, the absolute disaster that was golf this past weekend? So that's why I didn't watch it. So I turned on. Day it was one, a monsoon, and then it, and I was I was like, this is ridiculous. There's no way that they should. And then day two was day two was worse. I was like, I'm done. It was just wind. Yeah, I was like, I'm done. I turned it on. And it looked like uh, JT was gonna blow away. I was like, I'm out. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it anymore. And, and it was it was honestly. I don't know if you you know what good good golf is. It oh yeah yeah. Like, I love I love yeah GM golf. Okay. I love Garrett. Yeah. Okay, I'm just I'm glad that we were okay. It looks like it, it. It looks like their video from a month, two months ago, where they played on a course that had a slope of like forty-five degrees. When they hit the ball, it, everything looked like the wind blew it left, and yeah. it was like, dude, like what? And they played the Honda Classic this past week. The Good Good did, and they had the same kind of wind. And I was like, well, I mean, it's not the same place, but I knew what was headed that way in Florida. Plus, I was just in Florida, so I was like, all right, this is going to be ridiculous i don't really care and i didn't pay too much attention i couldn't even tell you who won i'll be honest with you I don't cam know. smith cam smith he's a good goal okay australian mullet man nice with it. i like he's nice i like him, I smith, like him. Yeah. he needs to cut his mustache because it looks like the 12 year olds run away from him but <laughs> he is a very good golfer but he showed out last year early he did make a run at the masters last year too. he did he, he was the first ever golfer to break 70 in every single round yeah, yeah. It still didn't win because DJ was just going insane. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that tournament was crazy. It was just, you had the monsoon. I mean, I saw Morikawa top of three wood about 30 yards, which you don't yeah. ever see. No. And then on Saturday, like Brooks couldn't even touch the 17 green. He just threw his hands yeah. up in the air and was just like, screw it. And it was funny to see though, because being in Boone, North Carolina, I mean, we get a lot of wind up here and I've definitely played golf and where they've been 20, 25 miles per hour with gusts to 30 and 40. And you'll literally hit your ball and it's like, Oh, what a great trajectory. And then it just stops. And then it just <laughs> goes wherever the wind's going. It's just like, what the hell? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And that's that when you pretty like much to start drinking more and call it quits. But like, <laughs> it's just it, the wind, the wind is the worst thing to play golf in because rain until like the greens are like flooded. Like they were, they were squeegeeing the greens after every group, but that's yeah. one thing. But in the wind, it makes, it with makes this golf really ball bad. that weighs just a couple ounces. That's just what makes it impossible. Well, these guys are also used to like more receptive greens on tour. And then if you get it wet, it becomes non-responsive basically. You just and it's plug. Just hard. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard for the, yeah. It's just hard for them to play, man. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine asking, 
150 of the best golfers in the world to play in that condition and feel like happy about it. Like, yeah, yeah. we did a good thing here. Like go, you need to get away from me. <laughs> yeah. But let's, I, before we move and after, actually we can move into the NBA, but I did want to say I am also high on Wisconsin. I had them listed. I put them in order of like three teams I think would win. I had Auburn, Wisconsin, and Gonzaga. Let's I think go. All like, and, and the reason I like Wisconsin so much is that Big Ten championship. If you watched it at all, there's a lot of fire in that team. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of just enthusiasm. They're happy to be there. Nothing's being taken for granted with them. The same thing with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was definitely not supposed to be in, nor were they supposed to win that um, ACC championship. So I think that that's another team to watch. And they're just, again, take it day by day. That's kind of what these guys are going to have to do, especially the older ones that didn't get to play two years ago that played last year and got gassed out. It's going to be interesting. These young guys may actually play a little bit better because they're used to it. They didn't have to sit that full season of March Madness out. It'll be interesting to see. But speaking of having to sit out, uh, Suns are back as the number one team. That's, that, you know, it's, it's been so I, oppressive. It, Chris Paul broke his wrist. They haven't dropped a step. They haven't missed no, anything. No, no. D-Book just absolutely going off. And the Suns are 55 and 14. They have a seven and yeah. a half game lead in first place right now. Yeah, I love the Suns. I love Devin Booker. I said it last year. I'll say it again this year. DeAndre Ayton is one of the most athletic bigs in the game for his size and just his pure athleticism. To be you know how many people floor. were just absolutely uh, trying to like just destroy him and hate on him because, oh, sorry, he wasn't a superstar in two years. Like, he was yeah, 20 years old when he got in the NBA. Like, give him two more years and look at him now. Yeah, well, I mean, he's just an athletic big who can shoot the three when he needs to. I mean, and again, he's not necessarily going to make it every time, but neither is Joel and neither is anybody else. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it is you're not supposed to make every shot. Yeah, well, I mean, he's only averaging a double-double, you know, shooting right. 64% from the field, but he's a, he's a bust, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But the other team kind of – and this is what I'll say about this next team is we're getting ready to see them in, in, in that, that first quarter of the season, everybody was healthy. They were running smooth. They were the best team. They were exciting to watch again. They had all three of their guys back. And then now there's a couple of injury splints. Now we're going to see him back. And the Warriors. Say Draymond just got back last game for the first time in like a month and a half. They're going to be back to three full strength guys ready to go into the postseason. And that's going to be scary, man. Because Steph has played played at a just absolutely vulgar rate of basketball. Just ridiculous. And Clay coming back and just being as good as he's been is a testament to his trainers and himself. I mean, he, he's just an athlete, proved it there that he can come back and be just as good, if not a little bit better than he was. I mean, this him and KD are the only two that we've seen that have come back from sustained injuries like that at that level and and do that. Yeah, and then going to the team in second right now, but probably my third overall team because I like the Warriors better than them, but the last team I really think has a chance to win the West or do anything is the Memphis Grizzlies with John Moran, a really good all-around young team. I just – I don't think they're quite there yet. I think you give them no, a I year think or they're two. Fizzle. They're I, fizzle in the yeah, because you have John Morant, who, yes, John Morant is an absolute stud basketball player. But you don't have another star around him. Yes, you have a good supporting cast, 
but you don't see a single team in the NBA with only one star. That's why, yes, the Mavericks and Luka are eight and two in their last 10, fifth in the West. They're hot right now, but it's just Luka. KP didn't work in Dallas, and Luka can't go through the playoffs by himself, just like John Moran can go through the playoffs by himself. You think Draymond's going to sit there and let him dunk on, like John Moran dunk on Draymond? No, Draymond will give him a freaking shoulder or a shove and put his ass on the ground. Like, he's going to get physical. Same with DeAndre Aiden on Phoenix. I mean, he's yeah. not going to eat it either. So I think it's really between no. Phoenix and Golden State. Because, yeah, no, it's, and, it's, it's like you said, there's a lot of physicality in those two teams that the Grizzlies don't bring. Yeah. I mean, you have Steven Adams, who is – Somehow only 29 years old. He's feel like he's been in the league forever. But he's... I feel like, you know, when I look at Steven Adams, I feel like he, he is the, the epitome of cargo shorts <laughs> with ties at the bottom, a floral polo at Disneyland. That is him. Like, that is a, the epitome of what I see. I don't disagree. I he is from Australia. Yeah, but he just looks like that kind of dude, man. And, and, and like his kids on his shoulder, just puked on top of his head. He just looks like he's a, oh, an absolute fire of a human being everywhere he goes. Like nobody, like just doesn't care. At 29 yeah. years old, he's wearing cargos. He's probably got coins in the bottom pocket too. Uh, he's got a roll on the left side. There's a lint roller in his back pocket. He just looks like he's prepared. Like he is the male Dora at yeah. Disneyland, no doubt. So with just around 12 games left for all these teams in the regular season, out West, I mean, it seems like the Suns are definitely going to win the conference. Do you, I've got it going Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, one, two, three. Now that Draymond's back, agree, disagree? Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, okay. I, wouldn't change, I wouldn't change anything about that, honestly. Um, just because I don't see anything. You know, actually, I may throw the Lakers at three. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. If the um, Lakers go undefeated, they still might not make the playoffs like for the yeah, rest it, of the season. <laughs> And that's what's dumb as hell. So um, bad. I, I do. I like the uh, I like the Warriors jumping the Grizz. Um, I don't hate the Jazz making a little run, but I don't see them jumping into the three spot. I can't see the Grizzlies falling to four. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll probably go with you on that and say Suns, Warriors, Grizz. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've I, been pretty good. Uh, yeah. Pretty good basketball. All of them have played pretty good basketball, those three. The Warriors need to be – be back above 500 over the last 10 and then they'll start getting hot again but that's i mean it's a good basketball team there and something too before we jump to the east i'm just excited to see is the denver nuggets when jamal murray comes back because we know yeah, his acl see what he mm-hmm. does when he comes back if he comes back this year by playoff time and michael porter jr coming back they just signed to another big contract so that'll just be something to keep an eye on too with the nuggets because nikola Jokic is top three player in basketball right now. I mean, he's averaging a double-double, only two assists short of a triple-double. And Jokic is just one of those guys where it's like, just throw four guys around me and I'll figure out how to make it work, which is super cool. He was like everything and more, I feel like, just a bit bigger and not yeah. as like yeah. light as yeah. what Chris Stapp's Porzingis was supposed to be in New Chris York. Chris is a bum. I know. No, I'm saying Jokic is what Chris Stapps was supposed to be, like to the media. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like. yeah. No, I agree, yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah, so then now jumping over to the East, I mean, this is the first time in a while the East is probably a better overall conference than the West. Absolutely loaded. You have the Heat, Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics going 7-3 and three in their last 10 with the Heat first, Bucks second, 76ers third, Bulls fourth, Celtics fifth. And after that, it's kind of just all super tight. But 
But look at the Cavs going in. I don't see. I don't. Good for them, man. I don't like the Cavs. Um, They're four and they're four and six in their last ten. I've said on our sports show here at a radio station. I thought they would fall off. They just don't have the experience to last this late in the year. I was just saying, good for them for being in six this late. Yeah, well, kind of what I in a while. Yeah, a point I brought up a couple weeks ago on our show was I thought the Cavs were all like the Hornets last year. The Hornets were the fourth seed in the East. They were the fourth seed in the East for like a month, month and a half. And it it just wasn't sustainable. And I think the Cavs are getting to that point now. And the Celtics have gotten red hot with Tatum especially. But Mm -hmm. And then you have the whole Sixers and Embiid thing going on in Philly, which is working really well against good teams and down. But the great and really good teams, it's not really working out too well because they play too slow. So I still think it's the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs are climbed all the way back from being seven, eight games down to only two and a half games back from the heat. And until Giannis and Milwaukee kind of really proved me otherwise, I think they can beat the heat straight head to head. I think they can beat the Sixers. Just they have better team, the Bulls. I just don't think their experience is there yet. And we're still waiting on Lonzo and Caruso to come back from injury. The Celtics, yeah, they're exciting, but they have two star guys and just a bunch of role players. But Brooklyn, Brooklyn mm-hmm. is what I'm waiting on. I want to see what Ben Simmons looks like on this Brooklyn team because if uh, Ben Simmons can just play the Draymond Green role of being a stud defender, which we know Ben Simmons can be multiple time first team NBA he's defense. Some, he's got to get some big time physicality to him too. Though. Yeah. And be a ball handler because we saw last year when James Harden got to Brooklyn, Kyrie, like they said in a post-conference, Kyrie went, James Harden said, you're the point guard, I'm playing off ball. And Kyrie can do that even more if he gets to play and Ben Simmons handles the ball some and KD can get open off ball. So, I mean, I think the Nets, if they finish as the seven or eight seed, they'll probably be the best seven or eight seed of all time going into the playoffs. But I also think that's what makes it really interesting for the top three, top four teams, because you've got to imagine there's going to be a bunch of jockeying going on because you don't want to play Brooklyn in round one. Like if I'm the Heat, I would rather lose a few of my last games somewhat intentionally to play Toronto compared to playing Brooklyn in round one, because Brooklyn is a very bad matchup for a team like Miami. Like Brooklyn's just going to throw in such a major wild card into these playoffs. If Ben Simmons can play and if Kyrie can play at home, if neither of those things happen, they'll still be really good and it'll be interesting. But I think Kyrie will be able to play by then. And I'm assuming Ben Simmons will come back by then. But if you're one of these teams up top, I mean, you don't want to play Brooklyn in round one. I mean, Brooklyn could be playing the Heat, the Bucks, or the Sixers in round one, which would be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I got I got Bucks winning it all again. You do? Okay. I think it goes without saying why they have the best basketball player. Actually, I'll say they have the most dominant basketball player in the world on their team. Um, they have arguably the best complement player to him in Chris Middleton and somebody that can drive the hoop but doesn't necessarily need to dunk but it's a great three-point shooter. Uh, I mean, it can play defense. It's a great defensive team. I like the Heat. I like the Bulls. I think the Bulls jump. Uh, I actually see the Celtics falling, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Celtics and Bulls jump. Um, I know it's, it's, not a, it's not a common I thing. Like the, but I like the Celtics are good. But I think the Celtics jump to four, Bulls jump to three, 76ers drop to five. Um, okay. And I just see that kind of happening. And I, I see the, the Heat ride out in the first place. Butler's been playing well. A lot to be said for that. <clears throat> Bucks just are going to play that too. They'll, they'll take on Raptors 
and then they'll run away for, with it from there. I just see the Bucks running with it again. Giannis is too hard to stop. Length, size, athleticness. It's all there for him. One of the best players in the world. So I got, that's all I got to say for you right there. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give a pick yet. I'm going to wait a little bit more. I just want to see what happens with this Nets situation because, like I said, <clears throat> perhaps the biggest wild card this late in the season in NBA history. But on one final note, uh, my final note I'm going to end off with, I didn't say it from my rant in the beginning because, you know, I'm trying to capture people's attention in the beginning and nobody really cares about App State basketball unless you go to App State. But, guys, we're in the basketball classic really like we're playing for 128th place in the country and we lose to usc <laughs> upstate 80 to 74 in our first game first game justin forrest michael almonese adrian delf james lewis jr i mean our guards are the most selfish players i've ever seen in my entire life they call it a basketball team but it was right. just a bunch of individuals all they do is just try and pull threes over and over and over they don't drive they don't pass. They always are just arguing at each other. Anytime there's a timeout, thankfully they're all super seniors. They're all gone. They can't come back anyway. And this program can kind of restart. But after making the play in game to the tournament last year and going from first to second to third to fourth, back to second in the conference in like a four weeks period, we're just not consistent. And Dustin Kearns is doing a great job coaching his last two years, like setting records at app state here. Cause we sucked before him, but we, lost to a sub 500 USC upstate team last night. And it's just embarrassing. You have any last words, Drew? Last thing I got for you is, uh, have a, have a, have a good rest of your week, man. <laughs> get ready, get ready for some basketball. Just have a good rest of your week. Yep. I got to work tomorrow. Hopefully South Carolina baseball won't suck this weekend. <laughs> um, that's a huge thing. Um, Sean Kingston, has done a, a, a well. Mark Kingston, excuse me. Sean Kingston's a great. I was going to say he's, Sean Kingston. Pretty, 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 good, pretty good baseball coach, probably too. Though um, no, it's just interesting. Uh, I think one of the things we're seeing in college baseball. I'll just say this as a whole. This is the last thing I'll finish with. Uh, we've seen it as a whole. Uh, guys trying to run extended innings. Uh, there's been a lot of injuries in college baseball right now, uh, and we're trying to see guys go extended innings, and it's been hurting them. Um, we've seen it in Mississippi State. <clears throat> we've seen it with A&M. We've seen it in Columbia. Uh, Clemson got their first loss of the year because of it, trying to go extended innings. Uh, it's, been, it's been hard for them, man. Texas had extended innings. Um, it's just hard watching the bullpen guys because that's such a, a thing for college baseball is you bring in bullpen guys, fans get excited, shut them down, the occasional home run. But the bullpens have been kind of just burned right now. A lot of guys on injury. So I, I hope – that that kind of fixes. I hope everybody gets healthy quicker. Uh, college baseball needs it. Uh, it'll be cool to watch some of those guys start coming back mid-season, late season, start playing Vanderbilt. Those guys start coming back. Enrique Bradfield's still healthy. Start getting some of those guys just back. Um, but what, what we have seen also in Vanderbilt is an extreme drop-off from last year to this year. Oh, pitching, yeah. Big time. Loss. So Big I, want, time. I, want that to, I want that to go on record and say that pitching in college baseball is more important than hitting. Even even with I, I, uh, Ivan Melendez in Texas, I want to say that pitching is more important. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. Pitching is always, I mean, very important. You can argue pitching is what wins you championships, almost like what uh, defense wins you championships in basketball or football. 
So that is going to wrap up this episode of the pickup. This was episode 32. And guys, we're back in action now. We're here. Great, 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 great time. If I'd say so myself, maybe the best time of sports in the entire year. Yes, the NFL isn't going, but you've got the home stretch of basketball. I know Drew doesn't like uh, watch hockey. I love hockey. Got the home stretch of hockey coming around. You've got March Madness. You've got baseball coming with an insane amount of free agency stuff going on. I mean, quite a time for sports. And with the NFL, even though there's not games, free agency and trades and the draft coming up, just as dramatic. Oh, Chris Godwin just reached a deal with the Buccaneers. Three years, $60 million. Oh, yeah, we've got to talk about that. Tom Brady's back. I, I, I cried. I was so mad. I was like, really? He's coming back? Like, seriously? Like, I enjoyed – it was 40 days. You didn't torment me for 40 days, and now you're back. He's been here my I, whole entire life. Hey, I like him. Good for him. I say uh, keep playing, man. Go until, go until they have to wheel you out there. Just keep doing it. I thought it was funny seeing all the pictures of, like, when Giselle asked him to clean up the house, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to go back and play football. Or, like, he's, like, hanging out with his kids, and they get on his nerves, and he's like, screw it. I'm just going to go back and play football. It's I can imagine. Like I can imagine it came time for the first, like, family vacation. They got, like, a quarter mile down the road, and he was just like, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. I'd rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather hang with Gronk. <laughs> that'll be interesting to see if he comes back because he's a free agent still technically too but he always well, said tom not, brady was his quarterback so well if not feel free to join us in cincinnati gronk <laughs> he'd be a, he'd be a great bills player bills mafia he would get that crowd going he just signed oj howard yeah that's true they also have dawson knox he's really good over there already too top five in the league put it on record dawson yeah. knox. all right well that's wrapping this up You guys will be hearing this on Thursday morning slash early afternoon. Great to be back. Great to keep this going. And for Drew Hartman, I'm Stephen Biddix. That was The Pickup, and we will catch you guys next time.